Welcome to episode number 181, The Entrepreneur Mindset. This is the Rotated Views Podcast with Jimmy Lee and the crew, giving you life from various perspectives. Welcome to our level. We hope you enjoy the views. Brought to you by the Blessed Lifestyle brand. Visit bl3ssed.com to get blessed. Also sponsored by The Motivation Files Unleashed. This motivational mixtape will be your fuel for success. Available on all platforms. All right, you are now tuned into the Rotated Views Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Lee Velez. I am here with Gabe, Manny, Goose, and Jack, the Entrepreneur Mindset. In this episode, we have special guest Jack Beck. We cover topics that range from small business, mindset, recognizing opportunity, motivation, and much more. We wrap the episode up with quotes from Jazz Bagnuski and Jonah McFarlane. Guys, if you're new, thank you for joining us. Don't forget to download and subscribe. We drop a new episode every Tuesday morning for your listening pleasure kicking things off our guest jack thank you for joining us sir we appreciate it oh thanks for having me i really appreciate it yeah for sure uh and this guy does his homework i mean he was here <laughs> visiting us uh for episode 180 and our guest uh jorge vasquez uh and he uh you know he, he was just making sure we were the real deal right and uh, just wanted to see how things were going and i and i appreciate that i like that um you, you know you can't be you know i don't think you could ever be over prepared right Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's part of, that's like a success trait, you know, that many people seek. Yeah. Most people confuse that with, you know, being prepared with being lucky. Right. Um, Like, oh, he was so lucky. He wasn't lucky. He was prepared. (laughs) Right. You know, he was prepared and then acted on an opportunity that was presented to him and being able to recognize the opportunity yes. was because he was prepared. So yes. it, they go hand in hand. They do. You know, it, it's not luck. I mean, yeah. you know, you can say, oh, he was in the right place at the right time, sure. right. but he was prepared. So okay. that that's really what it... And you, know, you got to do your due diligence too, right? You got to do oh, your due diligence. Follow through. Yeah. You know, that's, you got to do all of that. And that and that actually doesn't matter whether you're an entrepreneur or not. I mean, yeah. even in sports, sure, um, or music, right? You know, you, you know Justin Bieber. I mean, he was right place at the right time. Sure. I mean, like him or not, but you know, he yeah. had an opportunity, but he was prepared for the opportunity, Absolutely. and you know, got really successful. Well, I mean, it's it's one of the processes that's very normal when you know kids are getting recruited for colleges too, right? Yeah. You have like that visiting day or whatever they call it. Um, yeah, but it, it's like you kind of check out what the campus is like. What's you know what's the the, the dorm life going to be? Um, you know what some classes uh, are you know going to pan out for you look like, and uh, and then you get to make that decision after you visit a couple colleges. Um, uh, you have an educated decision. You know, are we going to move forward with this? What's the you know decision uh, that we're going to make? But it, I like how you said. Um, the the opportunity part because one of my questions always is how does one recognize if something's an opportunity or you're chasing something that you know uh, kind of the golden uh, what do they call it shiny object syndrome <laughs> ooh shiny <laughs> yeah or squirrel syndrome now. right yeah oh, squirrel <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean um, that's that's going to be a gut feeling yeah. Um, you know, because one person's opportunity is not the same as another's. One hundred percent. You know, um, 
you know, look at the barbershop and what Miguel has. I mean, it's an opportunity for him and in his business and what he does, that opportunity is not going to resonate with me. Right. Um, but it would resonate with him. So Absolutely. obviously it's a gut feeling you have. It depends on where you are in your life and, you know, where, where, where you're looking to move forward uh, in that regard. So and then acting upon that absolutely and and you're not always right so you know sometimes, that's true some, sometimes you act on an opportunity and realize ooh, that wasn't a good decision and yeah you know, and just then you move on they said the average millionaire started and failed over 20 businesses before they found the one that worked yeah that that's called failing forward right you know, the, you use failure as a learning experience. Absolutely. Um, I can't remember who said it, but, you know, it's like there are no bad experiences, only learning experiences. Yes. Yeah, you and know, it's so, so true. But that's a mindset. It is. You know, you can take all those bad experiences and get bummed out about it and be depressed and, you know, or you can learn from that, you know. Mm -hmm. Thomas Edison figured out a thousand ways how not to make a light bulb. Sure. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing, too, because um, in, in, in my, ex my personal experience, um, we've counted up, I forget, it was, it was up there, it was coming up there, it was probably like around uh, somewhere between 18 and 21, I forget what the actual number, I actually have them all listed, um, and it was from what I could actually remember, and all those people said, you know, you, I would technically failed but what it was is exactly what you're saying those lessons i learned from each one i then applied to my two current businesses that are actually successful right now you know what i'm saying yep. and it was all those where did i screw up and what what did work and apply or not apply those things instead of banging my head up against the table again why would i continually why would someone you know, in the right mind, why would someone start and, 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 you know, finish a business with the same mindset every time? Obviously, something didn't work the first time. What didn't work? Apply what didn't work and now use it for, for your advantage. I just, exactly what you said, I use them as stepping stones. Yeah, you have to. What's the definition of insanity? You know, doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. Absolutely. Well, you know, same thing in business. If you're going to open and close a business and do it exactly the same way every time right. expecting to be successful and you know you're not measure monitoring and adjusting what you're doing so i love it well we transition very smoothly into our conversation <laughs> sure. but but for those of us who do not know who you are uh and what you do let them know Jack oh Beck. okay so i'll tell you where where i sort of am right now or where sure. i'm coming from only because um i'm in a transition period myself Absolutely. you know as far as branding and, mm. and re-identifying my goals and where i'm going Perfect. um but you know talent marketing is is a business that i had started um while i was working and it was just a way it was kind of like my first entrepreneurial mm. endeavor and it still exists i'm just changing what it does and, and how I'm actually helping other business owners. So talent marketing was just for um, you know print and digital media uh, and business development. Okay. Um, my background is in print services. I mean that's kind of where I came from. Yeah. So what I would call traditional marketing, you know, paper, paper, right. paper marketing. You right. know, you know, newspaper ads and you know that kind of stuff. You know, flyers. Mm. You know, that's that sort of thing is kind of going away sure. i mean it still exists i mean you still have to have it yeah you know print will never go away 
but it's a very small portion of advertising these days. Yeah. Uh, social media and, you know, those types of things, they're taking over. Yeah. But even they're changing. So that's kind of, that's what talent marketing started out as. And right now it's turning into more of a, more of a business development and um, just being able to help small businesses uh, diversify themselves. Okay. Um, that's kind of where I'm going with that. Nice. All right, cool. All right, so, you know, uh, from from my understanding, can you, can you talk a little bit about how you got started in the print services um, and, and you working alongside your parents? Yeah, so getting into print, it's, it's their fault. So, so <laughs> So the, my parents opened up a um, opened up a small print uh, franchise back in the early '80s yeah. uh, when I was in high school. And in the area, uh, yeah, actually, right in Fairless Hills. Nice. So um, w- next to what used to be Astro Lighting, you know, okay. which actually isn't there anymore. Um, and I started working with them in high school, and then kind of went into the family business, sure. um, you know, and stayed with them up until like 1999 you know so you know the economy ups and downs and it just got to the point where it was a little too stressful for them yeah so they they wound up selling the franchise i stayed on board with the new owner okay um i almost stepped out um a little tangential but i almost became a falls township police officer but wow yeah (laughs) but um i wound up staying in the industry and was with him for another 15 years wow um and then from that point i was going out on my own um you know we had parted ways and then from there that's kind of where i started the entrepreneurial uh endeavor on my own and um i'm still in print services but and i'm trying to transition out of that yeah um Again, everybody knows me as that, but that's kind of not what I want to be anymore. Right, right, right. So, so you know, when in while you're in this transition uh, period, what are some of the things that you learned, you know, growing up and watching your parents own a business that you're applying now? Uh, the well, I, to their testament, uh, it's their work ethic. Mm. I mean, when you when you own a small business, I mean, you're whether you're there or not. It's a 24-7. Sure. I mean, because you're always thinking about it. Yeah. You know, whether you're there or not, it's very difficult to uh, to leave that stuff at, at the doorstep. Sure. And that's actually, you have to, because um, at the time I was also living at home, uh, which is one of the reasons why I moved out. Like, right after high school, I was like, I got to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because at a young age, I couldn't, dis- I couldn't make that transition yeah, yeah like if we had an argument at work like it was coming home with me sure. you yeah, know right right, right. <laughs> and it was like i and i didn't like that feeling so i'm like all right i need to step out you know I'd, I'd rather maintain the relationship with my parents and still be able to work with them at the same time sure but for them um i mean god bless them that they were able to actually do that you know being married and working in the same environment uh, extremely, yeah. extremely difficult. But I learned a lot from them as far as you know how they how they act it and how they treat customers. And so yeah. a lot of my customer service skills came from them. Um, even learning the back end of the business, my mom was very, you know, she was the numbers cruncher. So I learned a lot from from them in that regard. Uh, the transition after they sold, uh, the new owner that came in had a whole different mindset on where the business should go. Um, That was kind of transition with technology. So a lot of digital print was coming around around that 
that time period and he was expanding the business doing large format and you know getting into digital color and well okay. uh, so he was investing in the company uh, in that regard so completely different uh, different world yeah and and how was that transition for you because you've seen how it was kind of your parents baby right and then you see someone take it and you know expand it but like it was kind of like totally changed it yeah um, I was actually kind of fortunate uh, because he he wasn't the type of person that when he came in he took over like oh this is my business and that you have to do everything that I say now yeah like, you know you're just some employee uh, he did respect the fact that I had been in the business for as long as I was because most of these small print franchises when you buy them you don't know anything about printing these right. people like people that buy these small print franchises mm-hmm. it's like open up a Carvel you know you open up a Carvel ice cream store and you don't know anything about making ice cream right, right. you just know it's a you know, it's a small business. I, I, sure. I think I could do that. And, <laughs> right. you know, uh, same with printing. Most of these print franchises are not owned by people that come from the industry. They're just looking to make an entrepreneurial endeavor. They go to a franchise show and there's like a hundred different franchises and they say, oh, you know, I think I could do that. And, you know, obviously they get pitched and they get sold sure. on the fact that, oh, this is a great business model for you. Right. So my parents were one of those individuals. And even the guy that bought it came from construction. Okay. So he did respect the fact that I was in the industry for as long as I was and then relied on me to help him run the business. So, right. so it really wasn't a, a real difficult transition in that, in that regard. Not, not for me anyway. So, so can, can you explain a little about like the the franchise aspect, right? Um, for for maybe there's someone listening right now, and they're looking to go to a trade show uh, or something like that, where you know there's they're looking to invest into a, a franchise. Can you explain a little bit about kind of like the rules of the the thing and how it really all works? Because you can't really just do your own. Th- it's your business, but it's really not your business all at the same time it's weird yeah every in a good way but yeah every franchise has their own rules and regulations um this this particular one so minuteman press okay was the franchise um now back in the day there there used to be i don't know like a dozen different small print franchises there's not that many anymore um Minuteman Press was one of the least expensive franchises to get into okay as far as the initial investment but you get what you pay for. Sure. So they didn't have a national advertising campaign to help you out. And again, you going back to the eighties, again, sure. advertising was different then. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, you know, there used to be like pip printing and Sir Speedy and Speedy Print and the, all these other small ones. You always saw television ads for them. Mm. Minuteman Press was never there were no ads, but they were more expensive to get into. Gotcha. Also, the rules were a little more stringent, like. You, you had to use the corporate colors and so on and so forth. Minuteman Press, eh, not so much. You know, if you wanted to, you know, it was supposed to be orange and green. Well, if you decide to use blue and red, well, as long as they, they pretty much left you alone as long as you paid the royalties. Right, right, you know? <laughs> right, right. As long as they got their money, they, they were okay. Right. Um, and again, and the, for them, that was, that was the cheap end as well because their, their royalties capped which is something else in a franchise, you know, first thing that gets paid is the royalties. Mm. You know, above, well, obviously your employees, you got your employees, you got to pay your employees, you got to pay the vendors, you got to pay the the royalties to the, you know, home office. Then if there's anything left over, you get paid. So that's, in the beginning, that's that's usually the tough transition. Um, but for them, they're, they were a cheap franchise to get into. 
but you didn't get the back end support. Right. So you kind of got what you paid for. Some of these other franchises, you you're going to get that that back end support. Like if I decided to open up uh, McDonald's, well, obviously everybody knows about McDonald's, but you're going to pay for all that up front. Right. Sure. Big time. Um, so so for for franchises, if there's someone listening, not quite sure how this all works, it's it's super simple, right? So it's a it's a it's a business or a company that came up with a. Um, basically a recipe that works uh, successfully on how to operate a particular business, whether it's pizza, whether it's pretzels, whether it's printing, whatever it is. And they have, they put together a, you know, a one, two, three, four, whatever, it could be a million steps on how to become successful in this particular franchise. We're already a well, it's a pretty much an established name for the most part. Um, you know, and again, as you know, as Jack is saying, it's all different kind of, you get what you pay for kind of yeah. deal. Um, and then because they basically gave you their recipe, you know, um, you have to pay them in return because you're not really necessarily starting from scratch. They already kind of did a lot of the legwork or the majority of the legwork and they're kind of right. teaching you. And McDonald's is known for this because they're so successful right. that you literally have to go to, a, you know, like a, there's a, a McDonald's university, hamburger uh, university, or hamburger university. There it goes, <laughs> uh, where they teach you. This is exactly how you become successful. Sure. It's basically a guaranteed way uh, to profit, but they have all these different kinds. So, so in, in yeah. your opinion, in in your perspective, are franchises are there ones to stay away from? You don't have to name drop, but I'm saying like a particular. What, what would you recommend if someone was interested? Like if I was going to a trade show this weekend, and I'm like, you know what, I, I you know I have. X amount of dollars, obviously, it, as far as your money could take you. But if I have $25,000, I got to stay in a specific range. If I have $500,000, I got to stay in a specific range. If I had $5 million, obviously, they're all ranging. Out, if money's taken out, and what is, you know, what should someone look for, I should say? Well, only because I've been to the shows, I've, I've been part of other franchises. One of the things that you're going to have to realize is you're not going to own one location. Right. You can't own one location and actually make the franchise work. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that you can't. It's difficult. You can, but it becomes difficult. You're going to wind up owning – you're going to need multiple locations. Uh, there's two reasons for that. One, uh, obviously, you know, only, one location is only going to have so much traffic. So you're, you're going to cap your income. Right. Whatever that is. I mean, McDonald's, there's only so many hours in a day. There's only so many people that are going to come through. There's only so many hamburgers you're going to sell. There's a cap. Yeah. Well, if you want to make more money, you have to open up another location. If you're lucky, you get to make that choice. If you're not, again, like in the case of McDonald's, what will happen is if you become really successful and you're turning it over, well, depending on – you know the the capita the per capita in the area mcdonald's will say well about two miles down the road there's a great location and you also have to understand that mcdonald's their their business plan really wasn't about selling hamburgers right it was about real estate right you know so you know some people know that and some people Mm -hmm. don't so it's all about real estate well they'll open one up two to two miles down the road but they'll give you the opportunity first like hey we're going to open one up down the street do you want to do you want to buy that franchise or not So you have the opportunity, but now all of a sudden they're kind of forcing you into it. And if you right. say no, they're going to open it up anyway. Right. 
Well, now all of a sudden, everybody that was coming to your location from that direction is now going to that McDonald's. So all of a sudden, the franchise is literally cutting into your bottom line. So now mm-hmm. you got to figure out something else to, to kind of make up that gap. So the franchise, even though it's there to support you, is also your competition. Right. <laughs> so, right. you know, it, 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 that's kind of, that's the way. But you're going to have to open up multiple locations in order to, to really create some sort of a, of a residual income. But you're going to make sure you have to have somebody else there that's, that's going to be trustworthy enough to run those other locations for you. Yeah. Because you can't be in three places at one time. So that's right. You've got three locations and... You know, somebody else needs to be there. I know there was a uh, there's a there's a franchise out there. It's a small one um, that basically, when you sign on with them, um, this isn't just because uh, you know somebody, right? They do like this whole background check on you because you got to understand now you're also representing them. Oh, yeah. um, they're gonna see where the heck did you get this money from? So they do all that stuff. Like if you're buying a house, it's probably ten times more if you're buying their franchise or buying into their franchise. But this particular one actually makes you uh, within a, I think it's a five or ten year time frame. You have to buy three. So it's kind of like they even force they're forcing their hand on. You don't just buy one location. Eventually you'll buy three, and we're telling you where these three go. It's not like oh I want one you know down the street from my house because I think it's great. They have, yeah. they have to come out and they have to the lay of the land whatever it is they scope it out and they decide kind of um you know where that's going to be um well there's something to be said for that you know they're they're protecting their their own name absolutely and they just don't want you popping up you know wherever wherever you want and again even like in the in the print franchise you know miniman they have the most franchises you know globally because yeah. they're they're all over the world but what they don't tell you, and you have to do your own little research, is the turnover of ownership is extremely high as well. Yeah. I mean, the typical owner is like three to five years. Wow. You know, like after three to five years, you know, or, you know, maybe 10 max, the owner's going to change over. Hmm. So they'll say, hey, you know, you know, Fairless Hills, they've been, they've been open since 1979. Yeah, well, they've had four owners, right? You know, so what's what's that telling you? Right, right. You know, the fact that the franchise is still there doesn't mean that it's actually successful for the people that are running it. You know, because of the multiple owners that are going. Uh, the the one in Newtown's had four or five owners as well, so large turnover of ownership. Wow. Yeah, and and I know one of one of the biggest companies, Chick Fil A. Um, they have a, mm. a totally different approach to their franchise uh, that I'm, uh, you know a lot of these these restaurants do right it's kind of what you said you know like the mcdonald's and the burger kings it's different you, you kind of see one every within five miles of each other and if you're close enough you know uh sometimes there are even one maybe and if you're in a city it's like almost under a mile within yeah. each other um and you have to take all of that kind of thing into consideration where for chick-fil-a because um, I looked into the whole Chick-fil-A thing and they have this whole, like their belief system is so strong that they literally yeah. interview your pastor. They interview your neighbors. They interview all kinds of things and they will not put uh, Chick-fil-A within, I forget what it is, a five five mile radius or 10 mile radius within each other. It's like they have very strict uh, rules, but then pass try passing by a Chick-fil-A other than a Sunday, because they're off on Sundays, <laughs> and that bad boy is packed. They're literally reframing and redirecting parking lots 
Um, every single one's that way. Every single way has to redo its parking lot because the lines are so long and it's not a fad. I'm telling you, they have great food, but even better than their food is their customer service. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the culture, that, that particular company, the culture is yeah. a lot different. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's other companies that, that when they build that culture within the company, it, it obviously extends out in, into the population and people really appreciate that. Um, you don't hear a lot about it, but Costco is another one of those companies that the culture within Costco and how they take care of their employees and, and uh, the respect that they have for their employees uh, resonates in, into how popular they are and, and why they're they're a very steadfast company um slow and steady very slow and steady yeah so so how does if if i were to go to one of those trade shows how do i avoid getting talked into something that you know uh maybe someone's just a good you know they're good at you know jabbing their jaws and it's like wow you convinced me because it's almost like magic the guy can talk you know but do you should i be going in there with a plan um, in my mind as to what kind of franchise I want. For example, the, you know, in the barbershop, you know, my brother owns this barbershop, but in a, you know, the haircutting industry, they have franchises, all right? They're, for example, like a haircuttery or super clips or sports clips, whatever they're called. Um, I'm not a barber, so that, that wouldn't be my thing. So am I going there with a particular thing in my mind, or should I? Or should you also still be open? Well, see, that's just it. So are you going in there to... Buy a franchise because you want to make money, or are you going in there to buy a franchise because that's what you want to do? Because, like you said, you know, you you don't cut hair, so. Right. But that doesn't mean that the hair cuttery or sports clips that you can't make money at it. Right. So it, it depends on what where, what your mindset is. Just like the print franchise, you know, my parents decided, hey, we're we're going to open up a, a franchise. We just didn't know what, so they went. They actually did want to open up a Carvel. Um, oh, but, wow. but the amount of money, capital that you had to have unrestricted to get into it mm. was just was so high. Mm. Um, yeah, what are you looking to get out of it? Yeah. So you, get, you have to understand what you're looking to get out you know, before you get in. Absolutely. Uh, and if you're just looking to make money, then there's lots of franchises out there, and it really doesn't matter what your background is. You're just going to be looking at the profitability, like, hey, how long do I need to do this? And let's say uh, Philadelphia Pretzel Factory. Yes. Like, I knew somebody that he was going to move to Connecticut, and they were going to open up a Philadelphia Pretzel Factory in Connecticut. And then we, he was sharing with me the numbers, and it was just insane. Like, his profit margin was $0.05, cents, like $0.05 wow. cents a pretzel. Hmm. And the investment was, like, $250,000. And I'm just... And he was that's, all, a lo- that's a lot of pretzels to but, sell. Uh, now he was excited, and <laughs> you know, and, and I didn't want to like burst his bubble up. because right. they, I mean they, that's where they would, you know, they love to ski. I mean that's where they wanted to right. move, right. and he, he just wanted to do something else. And I just was quick math like that's way too many freaking pretzels. Holy, I mean, I, just to to get you know. back your original investment sure. like right. you know how you feeding your family i mean that's a, i mean this is what's going through my head sure. so yeah you just got to be smart about it uh, but again you have to understand are you doing it because hey i love to cut hair but i just i need to get started somehow because most of these franchises there's a buyout at some point in time because most of the franchise licensing is in the name Okay. So Minuteman Press, it's a 25 year contract mm-hmm. so after 25 years you can either renew 
or you just step out. And then even sometimes after 10 or 15 years, if you say, hey, I don't want to be part of the franchise anymore, you can buy out of the franchise and then change the name of the company and do whatever you want with it. So mm. some people use the franchise as a stepping stone because they can't afford mm. the, the build out on their own. And like you were saying, there's, there's systems. Like, I don't know exactly how to do it, but they already have a system. So I'm going to buy the system, teach me how to do it, and then I can step out on my own. And that comes with a price. That is fascinating right. because um, since we're, you know, we are talking about the entrepreneurial you know, mindset, I would think there has to be a clause somewhere, like a non-compete clause somewhere in there. You, know, you want to explain that so the person might be thinking out there, oh, I'll just start a whatever business, do it for five years, buy them out, and just keep it going. Yeah. So, so how does that – do you understand how that works? There, there are – like, and again, in, in this case here, there, there are certain – and they all, they're all different. Um, some of them, it's you know, within a radius. Like, hey, if you want to buy out or if you step out, you can't open up another you know, business like this within 10 miles of your current location gotcha. you know they'll they'll figure out like whatever it is that you're doing like what the typical radius is for mm. people to travel to your location and they'll make sure that it's outside of that you know bef so that you can't actually do that um mm. or again like uh minuteman actually didn't have that clause where if you decide to buy out of the franchise you know legitimately yeah well they'll just open one up down the street oh gotcha. now they did this they did this to a guy uh in feasterville and he he bought out actually he went through the 25 years i mean he did his he did his due diligence and then he changed the name he didn't renew his license well right down the street they opened up another one wow which was a shame for the guy that had bought the other one hmm. you know because they yeah. sold him on hey this is a great area and look, here are the numbers and then well, the other guy had been in business for 25 years. You know, people weren't, they, they didn't, they weren't going there because of the name of the franchise. They were not going, after 25 years. Not after 25 years, right. Well, the other guy didn't know that. So, you know, it was, it was a shame. So That is a shame, yeah. Which, do your own homework. Yes, <laughs> yeah. You know, protect yourself. You know. Right. Wow. Um, that's amazing because there was, there was a, uh, speaking of like the whole non-compete thing, um, I, I was watching something, I forget what it was on YouTube about small businesses and these two, um, you know, it was good friends that opened up a, uh, a pizza shop. Well, the father opened up a pizza shop and then the son and his best friend kind of took over after the father got ill and the same thing, they're in business for about 20 years um, and they just had like a falling out mm -hmm. um, and it was, of course it was about the money. Um, because, you know, although it was a son, it was a family business, this basically adopted son was put in just as much work and effort as this guy's kid did. Yeah. And he's like, wait a minute. You know what I mean? He's like, where's my, you know, where's my cut? And I, he thought that it was like an unfair cut. So what does he do? But literally five doors down or whatever it was, opens up another pizza shop. And now they're claiming that he stole your recipe. He's like, I didn't steal a recipe. Recipe's not there to st you have nothing to steal. It's a bunch of tomato sauce and whatever. It's not like you registered it or something, whatever. Yeah. So he got him back. I mean, you don't want to do this in business, guys. Sure. Um, <laughs> but it created a thing where it became almost viral. So people went to both shops 
and purposely compared them because they went to see, does it really taste the same? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like 90% of people were like, pretty much the same. I mean, because he knew all the, he knew all the, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm laughing because was it real? Yeah. Or was it a marketing ploy? It could be. It could be. If everybody was going to both shops just to taste it, like they had the world's greatest marketing plan sure. going yeah. on. Absolutely. We're going to open up another shop, create controversy. And the people are going to both. And the people want to it. Yeah. They, there's, a, there's, a famous, there's a famous artist out there um, who, who literally picks fights with other artists right before he's about to drop an album. Yeah. And it creates all this energy, uh, whether it's good, because, you know, what they say, you know, bad publicity, you know, publicity is, you know, still publicity. Um, and so he, that's how he views it. And it, without failure, this guy has albums, he has shows out there. And every time a new, either a new series is coming out, a new product's coming out, he's talking smack to somebody. <laughs> and he stirs the pot again, and it creates all this attention. Um, it's amazing, but yeah, thinking about it now, it could be. I don't know. <laughs> it, it was too far for me to like even whatever. But um, that's kind of that's a cynical view. But it's just kind of this it's, happened like it's ten, it's true. ten years ago, and they're both still open, and people still go there because they love that story. Yeah, people love it. And they'll stories sell. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, can you explain a little bit talking about? Um, uh, you know, representing a specific brand, right? Um, I know we, we come to the thought where people are going to buy into you, right? And how, how, does, how does an entrepreneur, a young guy, set the tone early in life to basically when he opens a business, people will take him serious, right? So if he's the guy who's always goofing off and, you know, uh, not taking anything serious and all of a sudden... He seriously wants to open up a business. People are like, "What? What is going on?" So, where's the buy-in? Um, can you talk a little bit about you, who, who you are as a person, also translates into your business? Um, so, at a at a younger age, it's probably it's probably a little easier, um, but you definitely need to be able to create relationships. Um, those relationships before you were to start a business will pay off huge because um, any relationship that you're building along the way where you're not actually looking to get something out of them you're just you've just got that relationship mm-hmm. as opposed to you know if you've been goofing around you know all your life you know for 10 years you're just goofing off and then all of a sudden you say oh okay now i'm going to get serious and i'm going to open up a business and then you're going to go to these people that you've been goofing off with right and then expect something from them. Well, what, what was the value that you gave them before? Mm. So, because if you didn't give any value before, then you're probably not, it's not going to reciprocate. Right. So, you know, and this, I'm, I'm, I'm 52. So, you know, this is, these are things that I've learned. Okay. Obviously, I didn't know this when I was 22, 23 sure. years old. Um, I wish I did. But, sure. I, you know, you just got to be able to pass that pass that on nowadays is a little different i think the younger generation um is picking up on a lot of these things Mm. uh better um but it also starts at home absolutely you know the 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 conversations that i have with my kids just making sure you know have have solid relationships with people yeah uh where you're not expecting anything in return yes uh that that will pay off huge no matter what you do in your in your life 
it'll, it'll come back around. So from an entrepreneurial standpoint, create relationships. Don't ever expect anything in return. You know, um, don't give to get, you know, give to, um, to teach people how to give, mm. you know, just kind of perpetuate that. It's kind of you know, like a pay it forward. Yeah. You know, just be able to give and then eventually, you know, you will get. Absolutely. Um, but if you're going to start out by asking before you're giving, it, that's not going to work. It's the, um, uh, the, you know, the classic social media, like networking, building that reputation of quality content is what they always talk about. It's the people um, who get the most attention and, and whatever quality means, right? C- quality can mean, you know, well, so many different things, right? So if I'm given quality, you know, pictures of cars because my page is about, you know, cars, that's one thing um, versus quality content where, you know, it's me in front of a camera and I'm talking and what I'm delivering is, is of a high quality, right? Right. Well, instead of using the word quality, it's value. Yeah. What's the value that you're that you're giving? Because it doesn't matter what you're doing, whether it's you know you're showing pictures of cars or, or whatever that is. If it's of if it's of value to somebody, then then they're going to receive it. One hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah. it's about the value of what you what you're able to give. I love you know, it. Create value. Yeah. So what what's the best and worst thing about being an entrepreneur? Um. <laughs> it's actually the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, when you're when you're an, you know, a true entrepreneur, which is actually a funny thing, because entrepreneurism these days is, I mean, everybody's an entrepreneur now. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you pick something out of the garbage and you sell it on Amazon, you're an entrepreneur. Sure. I right. mean, that's, that, that, it's easy these days. Yeah. <laughs> you know, back in the 80s, early 90s, if you said you were an entrepreneur, it was it was a kind of like code for saying you were unemployed yeah you know that's that's kind of what that meant and he was like i can't i can't find a job so like i'm gonna start selling stuff you know, I'm, right. an, I'm an entrepreneur but it's it's the fact that you have free range um and you can do anything you want yeah but the the bad part about that is you can do anything you want so right. it's just like what are you going to focus on mm. Because without focus and intent, you're you're just going to be you're going to struggle. Um, again, just too many things going on at one time and not finishing any any one particular thing. Mm. It's okay to have multiple things going on, but if if there's no end game and you're not able to finish anything, you're just you're just going to go through life being essentially unfulfilled. Is what'll wind up happening. Sure. Um, because if you can't finish it then essentially it becomes a failure and then and most people can't they can't accept the failure like for most entrepreneurs you know you're failing forward you learn from your failures that's rare yeah because I mean, that's not everybody not everybody can can succeed like that yeah um who's it uh jim Rohn. Jim, yeah. i love i love one of his quotes it's um you know you need to learn to discipline your disappointment because mm. if you can't do that then you're you're not going to be able to be an entrepreneur in in any shape or form. Absolutely. Um, because again, that's that you know I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. Well, if you can't discipline yourself to understand, oh, well, this is just part of the process. Um, you know, the average person just doesn't have that in them. Yeah. So, so being an entrepreneur, there's a lot of action has to take place, right? Can you explain a little bit? 
maybe the difference between being busy versus being productive? <laughs> uh, result producing activities. Nice. That's 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 really what it comes down to. Because again, because there's there's with entrepreneurism these days, and again because of all the uh, all the media outlets, you know, so with social media and what have you, there's certain periods of time that you do those things. Yeah, like I, you can't be sitting on Facebook at five o'clock. Right. You know, you should be on the phone with somebody, or you should be meeting with somebody, or you should be doing something. That that's a result-producing activity. Right. You know, if you want to connect with people on Facebook, you do that at ten o'clock at night. Right. You know, because there's people on it till like three in the morning. So, you know. yeah. <laughs> yeah. but again, you know, it's for you, if you're going to do reach outs and things like trying to connect with people, there's certain things that you're doing at certain times. Just make sure that the time that you're putting in is, is going to create a result yes. in, in one form or another um, and be cognizant of the time that you're doing it. You know, because again, because people can just, you can waste so much time. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm just going to check my email. And then three hours later, it's like, yeah. you, know, yeah. you know, be intentional about the things that you're doing. Um, schedule your time. You know, it's really important. What about um, when you say schedule your time? Can you talk about, a little bit about, about being organized as an entrepreneur? Organizing your day, organizing, you know, your business, organizing everything about it. You know, can you speak a little on that? So the, the day-to-day is going to be fluid. Sure. You need, and the, the best thing you could do is set your day, the day before. Yeah. Like before you go to bed, you know what you're doing the next day. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, when you get up the next day, you're already behind. Right. You know, you're getting up and then you're trying to figure out what you're going to do today. You've already wasted, you've already wasted a couple hours of your time and you just, you're, you're at a sink and... You know, it's kind of like doing you know, meditation or, or doing a little bit of reading just to kind of calm yourself. You know, do that at the beginning of the day and the end of the day. You know, or even at the end of the day, replaying what happened during, during the day. Because, again, you, you, there are certain things that are going to go wrong. Well, you can replay those things and figure out, okay, well, I should have did this or I should have did that. And just kind of reset yourself, set yourself for the next day. And then when you get up in the morning, you know exactly what you're doing. Now, of course, three hours into that, you know, the wheels are going to come off and you just, you just deal with that as you go. But if you set your day the day before, it, it makes it so much better for you. Do you believe in having a mentor or somebody that you can touch base with to kind of recalibrate yourself or motivate yourself? Um, I know that's changed a lot because of, I guess, technology on what a mentor can look like well now now we have you know we can do that over the phone now we can video conference now we can uh you know we can just simply follow somebody on social media and they're just giving advice and that could be your mentor um without that person even knowing that they are uh but when it comes to finding a mentor um or 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 mentorship in general you know what's your take on that well just to the last part of that you know anybody that you're following you know, they're not going to be a mentor. They can be an inspiration. Absolutely. But they're not going to mentor you. Absolutely. I mean, I could throw a bunch of content out there, but that's, I'm not mentoring anybody. Right. Um, being a mentor, you, you should have a mentor. You're never too old, too young, too successful to have a mentor. I mean, I could be the most successful person in the world, and I could have 
you know, my my 17-year-old daughter could mentor me. Absolutely. You know, if you're not learning, then you're dying. And it doesn't matter how successful you are. You should always have you should have a mentor in some form or another. And then the engagement, if at all possible, absolutely face to face. Yeah. Um, there's something about human interaction. Uh, technology just can't can't replace that. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, if distance is an issue, or you know, they're in California, you're here. Okay, well, you know, we can get onto a onto a, a Zoom call or something like that, and do some some sort of an interaction that way, or even a phone call, so you can hear, you know, the voice inflections, which is important, you know. But otherwise, you know, you know, texting or or doing it that, that's you're not you're not really going to get a lot out of out of it that way i think one of the biggest things too is accountability um when when you have a mentor you have somebody to actually hold you accountable uh from your actions for everything and and, and a lot of times people think accountability in a negative way like oh god now i gotta report to somebody so it's a good thing i think we need to take it and turn the table on it and look at it as a positive thing and not necessarily i started off thinking accountability was not that it was a negative thing, but it was like, oh, God, now I really got to put in the work because this is embarrassing. Someone's watching me. And if I don't produce something, and then it turned into, like, this anxiety-driven action stuff, yeah. so it's just not healthy. Yeah, we do. When we do accountability, um, when we create accountability teams, we actually we do them uh, at least three. Okay. Because even one-on-one, uh, you, you start to get too comfortable with one another. You always throw in that third wheel, and you know if two people start getting a little lax, that third person will definitely call them out. Right? Abs- absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So we always do at least three, and then you don't do more than like five. You start going over five, then it, it becomes a little too big uh, as yeah. far as like an accountability group. Uh, but we do, we use those all the time. You know, it's the it's a very powerful thing to help you keep going. And and again, and we always it's it's not like you're you're trying to be accountable to somebody else. You're actually being accountable to, to yourself. yourself. Absolutely. You know, because if you're not accountable to yourself, then you know, go get a job somewhere. You know, right. it's, it's, it's just it's just isn't for you. So, so so success is defined differently by a lot of people. Um, motivation is defined differently by a lot of people because success means one thing to me, and motivation. What motivates me is totally different than the next man. Can you explain, you know, the importance of motivation while you're in the pursuit of, you know, you, you know your your goals? Um, or if it's not well, important? Well, it's the, the mo- everybody's motivation is going to be a little different. Sure. Um, the the most difficult thing for most people is to figure out why they're doing what they're doing. Absolutely. Um, I'm a, I'm a big. Uh, proponent and fan of Simon Sinek. I don't, I don't know yes, if you know Simon. Absolutely. So, and you know, uh, obviously, I, I've read his books, and you know, start with why is is a, is a good one. And you know, trying to figure out why you do what you do is the important thing. Because yep. um, if you don't know why you're doing it, then it doesn't matter what you do. You, there's going to be no fulfillment in, in there for you. Um, and that's on a personal level. And then he always takes it the next level is what are you doing for the guy next to you? Mm. You know, what's, you know, what you're doing. And for me, it's like family, you know, right. like what I, what I do and what I'm doing is for my family. They're, they're my purpose. They're my why. Sure. Um, if I'm not successful, then I'm not going to be able to provide for them and, you know, for future 
you know, generations down down that. So that was that was my beginning purpose. Um, it's become a little bigger than that because now I've extended outside of that circle. And you know, how many other people can I help? It's like, yeah, I'm helping my family, but you know, I can help the guy down the street too, and help him and help his family. Yes. You know, so if I can extend that, extend my circle a little bit, so that that's become my why and yeah. my purpose. Um, but without a purpose, it's kind of like a roadmap. Like if you don't know where you're going then you're never going to get there. Absolutely. You know, uh, and then you need that, and that's where goals come in. So, you know, your goals are your roadmap to get to where you want to go. Right. Because, um, again, I can get in the car and I can drive to California, but if I don't have a roadmap, I'll get there eventually. It's going to take me a lot longer, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you, you talked a little bit about um, – learning and and i myself am committed to be a lifelong learner um can you explain you know what 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 the importance of that is and a a lot of people get this misconstrued thinking um you know that it has to be in um you know working on yourself i do believe we all obviously have to work on ourselves. but the funny part about learning more about your industry or your trade is you're learning yourself (laughs) what so you are in a sense building uh, your knowledge base, so that in turn is growth. Um, so, can you explain a little bit about that? Because some people are like, "Well, I don't, I don't like self-help stuff. I don't like personal development stuff." And I think it's just it's not clear as to you know what is being said. It's not that you have to you have to read self-help books and and understand the secret, right? Yeah, it's yeah. not that. It's what 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 what's your goals? What are you passionate about? What's your business? Learn more about your business. How can you expand? That's that's more what we're trying to say. Self-education, extremely important. You know, uh, you know, as far as what what makes you tick, um, learning about other things is also a form of self-education. But um, like, I'm a sponge. I mean, I I want to learn everything there is about everything. Yeah. Um, whenever it's possible, it just keeps it just keeps my mind going. Sure. Um, you know, self self education is you know how do I learn more about me, and uh, maybe to help me keep grounded. You know whether whether that's you know spiritual or you know just learning more about oh okay um, here here's a business endeavor or there's a particular business that needs help. Okay, well I'm going to learn everything there is I know, I can about that business so I can help them. Um, but in the process, I'm learning, so it's it's. I don't know. I don't want to say it's selfish, but you know, I'm learning to help them. They're going to benefit from it, but so am I. 100%. So it's, yeah. So it's actually it's actually a, it's a great thing to do that. And if you're not going to learn, if you're just going to sit back and just kind of take things as they go, then like you said, if you're not learning, then you're dying. Right. You know, it's it's one or the other. It's one or the other. No matter no matter what the endeavor is. So. The entrepreneurs, depending on what they're doing, you know, the the work, let's just say, can get to you, right? Um, in, in a in a sense where all you're doing is work, 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 work. Which, you know, typically in the beginning of a lot of when you're first starting, think that's what it's going to be. Um, how, how does how, how does one kind of step back momentarily to then kind of sharpen the sharpen the knife, sharpen a sword, so to speak, to then go back even harder? What's the importance of that? 
Uh, everybody's going to have a different take on that. Sure. You know, um, it was Abraham Lincoln's like, you know, if I got to cut down a tree, I'm going to spend the first nine hours sharpening my axe. So it's only going to take me an hour to chop the tree down. Right. You know, versus the other guy that's just putting so much time and energy into it. Still takes him 10 hours, but when he's done, he's just, he's, he's dead. Right. Like, Completely he just, exhausted. He just can't function anymore. So entrepreneurs are doing the same thing. And this is kind of where that, you know, um, take time to take care of yourself because mm. if you don't take care of yourself there's no way you're going to be able to take care of anybody else 100 um and and same with you know same with family you know yeah. again you know being an entrepreneur and you're constantly out there and you're you're grinding and sometimes you're you know you leave the house in the morning before anybody's up and when you get home everybody's in bed yep. you know and you go through weeks like that and then every once in a while you do need to take a step back um, make sure everybody knows that you love them, and you know. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I promise I'll be home in the morning. You know, I'll be here. Um, but you, you definitely need to be able to take care of yourself. Um, you know, mind, body, and soul. Yeah. Um, take, take, take that time. Because um, if you don't, you're not going to be any. You're not going to be any good to anybody. Let's let's switch things up. What, what you're currently doing. Um, and and where you went from the the print business to the the marketing business right but now you're trying to you know um rebrand specifically what you're doing in the marketing industry through uh beauty and the skincare industry is that correct yeah so so that's kind of how i found you right so uh, again this is you know there are no accidents i mean things happen for a reason so um as part of uh, you know a, a larger entrepreneurial endeavor, we we have a um, we have a product line and services that are specific for for the industry. Okay. Um, my sister, who lives in Suffolk, Virginia, she she's in the beauty industry. She does nails. Okay. Uh, when you know when because we, we're born and raised in this area. Okay. Um, and she went to Levittown Beauty Academy and. You know, when, when she was up in this area and then had moved down to Chesapeake, uh, lived overseas for, for a little bit. And she had built a nail business, m- moved overseas for a few years. And then when she came back, moved to Suffolk and then rebuilt that um, within the industry. And Miguel, and he can attest to this. It, it's a hard it's a hard business, yeah. um, you know, especially as a business owner. Um, you know, standing, you're standing behind the chair and, and, you know, as you get older, it's starting to wear on you physically. And, um, for, for a lot of business owners or for a lot of people in that industry, and we'll just use hairdressers, you know, they, they come in, they, they start right out of school. Um, they, they love what they do. That's why they're doing it. Uh, they said, Hey, you know what? I want to make more money. I'm going to open up my own my own salon so they go and they open up their own salon and it's wonderful in the beginning and then all of a sudden it turns into a business yeah so now all of a sudden you know i'm i gotta be there when it opens i gotta be there when it closes you know i'm not just cutting hair anymore yeah now i have employees and so now i gotta deal with that and so there's all this baggage that comes with it and that's most it doesn't happen to everybody some people are lucky and it's just it's all roses for them but most people it's it winds up becoming a struggle and then what winds up happening is at the end of that life cycle um they either just like hey i just can't do this anymore the stress is too much you know they'll they'll sell the business if they're lucky or the business closes and then they wind up just going and getting a job as a hairdresser 
So most of the older hairdressers are people that have kind of gone through that cycle. And now, after 30 years, really don't have anything to show for that, right. you know, other than aching bones. So what we've done is we've recognized this, or especially she's recognized this, because she's at that point. Sure. You know, she used to be able to do 10 clients a day. Well, now she's only doing seven clients a day, you know, six clients a day. Well, she doesn't feel she's working any any slower. Sure. But now her revenue is dropping because she can't see as many clients. Mm -hmm. So now what am I, how do, how do I increase my revenue with, without having to work 18 hours? Right. So extension of service, you know, became a thing. So it's like, okay, well, what other services can I provide to the same clients that I'm seeing in the same time period. So to be able to bring in a product line or to provide other services within within the salons will take a lot of the stress off of the business owners. Um, and the system that we're implementing is actually more of a partnership with the with the employees. So even if they go to even if they leave the salon which again is another problem because what winds up happening is you train your competition. Right. <laughs> you, know, you, you bring somebody in and, and they're right out of school and you teach them everything you know because it's your customers coming in the door. You want them to yeah, know everything right. that you know. You want, them, you want them to treat the customer like you would treat them. But eventually what winds up happening is they say, hey, I want to make more money. You know, no disrespect to the owner, but I need more money. Yeah. So I'm going to go open up my own salon. Well, you just trained your competition. <laughs> now, in in this area, and I have to say, because I've listened to a number of your podcasts sure. uh, of other people in the industry, and you guys have this great relationship with a number of the other business owners. Yeah. Um, and that's awesome. There's There's a lot of support, but there's no financial connection there, which is extremely rare. And what we're doing is we're trying to create not only that relationship, but create some sort of a financial connection that even if they did leave, you're still benefiting financially from one another. There's still that partnership. So you're not creating competition anymore when they leave. Uh, so it's, it's creating some synergy with, within, within, the in, within the industry. Very cool. Um, and uh, it's, actually, it's actually pretty awesome uh, to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's amazing too because um you know sometimes you, even when you're younger and, and you start a successful business and maybe you do have it all figured out for the most part life changes right uh the industries changes the markets can get weird right um yeah um and again and miguel probably knows it's it's um in the industry they call it diversion within the industry so um you know going back to the you know 70s and 80s you know vidal sassoon and you know a lot of these name brands that you can buy at walmart now they came out to be exclusive to the industry right um and that's how they sold it and then what wound up happening was when they they sold it that way the customer base once there was a customer base then the company said oh well we're going to start selling it at Macy's and Walmart and mm -hmm. you know thank you for helping us build our brand mm -hmm. we're now gonna sell it to everybody you know you're no longer exclusive 
um, and that's that's creating a struggle within the industry. And there, there's like these little offshoots, uh, like there's some blowout bars that are opening up, where again it's taking services away from the salons. Mm-hmm. Um, in in what I think, it's it's just a fad. I mean, it's sure. it they're going to be out there, and then everybody's going to oh, it's the new thing, and then eventually they're going to close up. But how many how many places is it going to put out of business, or it's going to make them struggle? Mm-hmm. Um, while they're there, you know they're they're going to be in and out, but it's it's going to create a struggle for a lot of for a lot of people. And again, you know, I don't want to fault them because there's somebody else that's an entrepreneur that's doing that. Right. So you know you you know you don't want to fault them for that, but it's creating a strain within within the industry that that's probably unnecessary. But. All right, cool. So we're gonna uh, last question of the night. Um, what is your recommendation to anyone trying to accomplish their dreams and goals in life? If you have one or two things, you know, a younger version of you is out there, very ambitious, very hungry. You know, what are, you know, one or two things that you would just tell them right off the rip? Um, need to know why you're doing it. You know, understand your why is important. Be intentional about what you're doing. Because uh, otherwise, you can kind of get you know lost in the fog, as it were. Um, don't compare yourself to anybody else. You know, you you definitely got to be yourself. Uh, don't try and be anybody else. I think that's probably one of the biggest things. You know, uh, when you're out there networking and you see somebody, it's like, oh, I wish I was as successful as that person, or you know, I wish I could be like them. Um, you need to understand that most of these people that are out there networking that's that's a facade right that's not necessarily who that person is so when you say i want to be like them you want to be a facade of them so you don't you don't even know who that person really is so <laughs> right. so you definitely want to be yourself um because people buy you they don't buy whatever product or service you have i mean you definitely got to create that relationship and be yourself um above all else i think i think that's probably one of the most important things um, but definitely be intentional and know why you're doing what you're doing. Before we close things out, what's the best way for people to either reach you um, or you know any other businesses you want you want to mention out there that uh, you're working with? Oh uh, yeah, so actually um, I'll give you my website, but obviously I'm in a rebranding uh, phase. Sure. So I mean there's information there and you can contact me, uh, but it's going to change. So if you you know come back and visit, so it's talent marketing. Uh, dot net okay. uh, is where you can get my information. Obviously, I'm on you know LinkedIn and uh, Facebook. Uh, Jack Beck 731. You can search me out that way. Uh, definitely reach out to me and be more than happy to help you out. Um, and uh, I'd mentioned my sister, so Gina Connor down in Suffolk, Virginia. Uh, my my partner in crime with uh, in the beauty industry. And then uh, if I could give a shout out to my mom and dad because they kind of put me on the right path. Uh, to, to where I'm going now. I love it. Right. There you have it, folks. All right, we like to wrap things up with quotes, and the first one is by Jazz Bagnuski. Don't get distracted. Never tell yourself that you need to be the biggest brand in the whole world. Start by working on what you need at the present moment and then what you need to do tomorrow. So set yourself manageable targets. And a second one by Joanna McFarlane. It's important to realize that brand is much more than a logo and a slogan. A brand is who your company is, 
how you function and make decisions. The Entrepreneur Mindset. In this episode, we have special guest Jack Beck. We cover topics that range from small business, mindset, recognizing opportunity, motivation, and much more. We wrap the episode up with quotes from Jazz Bagnuski and Jonah McFarlane. Awesome. Guys, thanks again for joining us. The Rotated Views podcast was produced for self-development purposes. Huge shout out to our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by the Blessed Lifestyle brand. That is BL3SSED.com. Also sponsored by The Motivation Files Unleashed. This motivational mixtape will be your fuel for success. Available on all platforms. Guys, don't forget to visit the website, JimmyLeeVelez.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Rotated Views. If you have any inquiries or questions, email us at info at JimmyLeeVelez.com. On behalf of myself and the rest of the crew, we wish you massive success. Stay blessed. <laughs>